This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. So you're telling me there's a chance. They say it's not a series until somebody loses a home game. And now in the NBA Finals, just days removed from thinking this was going to be easy, the Miami Heat have reminded us that they're still the Miami Heat. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. I'll be honest, Harry. We were all up in the group thread last night, everybody texting, going on and on, and there was a wave of emotion because we saw, if you were watching the game, what you saw was Miami go up big. Then you see Denver just come in, not just chip away at it. Denver annihilates that lead. Denver goes up big, and just when you think Miami might just lay down, nope, Miami comes into the fourth quarter down by eight, and the fourth quarter might be the best quarter of basketball they have played in the playoffs. They were wildly efficient. They didn't miss anything and they reminded everybody that as much as we want to count them out, they are not going away easy because they get the win and now all of a sudden we have a series tied one game each going into game three. I love it. For the sake of our show, just for a secondary, let me just be real here. I love this because it's going to give us more basketball to talk about. Come on now. And the heat fits Right now, currently, I'm in Florida. I'm in Panama City because my daughter has a dance competition, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, I had to duck off and find somewhere to do the show. So thanks to the great people here at ESPN down here in Panama City being able to let me use an office. But I said I'm in Florida because the heat is on. Burning, burning, burning. The heat is on. The heat was on so much in the fourth quarter to the point to where in the first three minutes of the first quarter, the Miami hit when Heat went on a 15-2 run. Mm. And it was sparked by, was it Jimmy Butler? No. Was it Bam Adebayo? No. Was it Max Struess? No. Was it Caleb Martin? No, it was Duncan Robin. Uh, Duncan Robin. I'm calling him Duncan Robin because he was the Robin in the fourth quarter. Look at that. Oh, look at the twist. Look at the twist. Unbelievable. Uh, and remember against the Boston Celtics, we said, how many times are you going to get a guy named Duncan Robinson that's going to come off the bench and give you 10 points in the fourth quarter and, and, and give you an opportunity to be in the position that they were in, even though they lost that game? Because remember, he missed two big shots in that game, right, when he was wide open. It didn't phase him. It didn't phase him. So now you get to the NBA Finals, Duncan Robinson comes in to the point of where he gets a layup and he starts to flex. Now, it was a week ass flex it was a weak flex but he started flexing do what you got to do Duncan Robinson because you have proved that you can be counted on sir especially in the fourth quarter of the Eastern Conference Finals of the NBA Finals do your thing there's this moment now where all I can think about when I see Duncan Robinson is going to be somebody in a Robin costume from like the 50s on one of those slam ball trampolines just going up and dunking. You have a Duncan Robin. I'm all in on this. This is great analogy. Uh, (laughs) Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive protects your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, and RV and can save you money. Visit Progressive.com. Here's what hit me. Early on in this game, I thought there was a tone difference from the outset in the sense that Jokic was out there and the first three drives were all Jokic shots. He was out there being aggressive. But what I watched was everybody else standing around. The number of times, and what did we see in game one? There were there were a couple of plays in game one where you saw guys that nobody's ever heard of diving for basketballs. And I remember mm. listening to the commentary on TV where they're saying, that's championship basketball. I was waiting for that level of give a damn 
for most of this game, from from the Nuggets particularly, it felt like the Nuggets walked into the room passive. It felt to me like the Nuggets walked in the room feeling like they already put their big boy pants on and they were headed to a 2-0 lead. It felt to me like the Nuggets walked into the room almost feeling entitled to a victory. And what they forgot is that the Miami Heat are that team that you can punch and punch and punch, and they will still stand up and say, nah, I got more in me. The Miami Heat are a bar bar fight gone wrong. You might think that you're going to kick their ass. You might think that you're going to be tougher than they are. But every time you punch them, they just get back up. And what was amazing was the Nuggets didn't have that energy. How many times have we talked about it in the playoffs? you got to have that energy and intensity, and if you don't, You'll lose. They were passive. Well, here's the part that bothers me, Fitz, is that it's the NBA Finals. Your energy should be there. And you mentioned the Denver Nuggets standing around watching on the offensive end. Well, guess what? It carried over to the defensive end. The defensive intensity was not there for the Denver Nuggets. And I don't know why guys feel like shots got to go in you know, they have to get looks for the defensive intensity to be superb and to be at a, uh, on another level. It shouldn't matter. If you're making shots and missing shots, it shouldn't matter. Defense is defense. And, and but dude, that's not what we've seen but from the different Nuggets yesterday. Think about, because you, I love that you made this point because we talked about it last week. Part of what just, after game one, part of what stood out was that guys were working so hard defensively and then they were being rewarded with great looks because Jokic was facilitating. All of that was gone. You're right. Like, that level of defensive fire, that firework was gone. And that's something that Michael Malone, Nuggets head coach, made clear after the game when he talked about specifically his team's effort in game two. Let's talk about effort. I mean, this is the NBA Finals, and we're talking about effort. That's a huge concern of mine. You know, and you guys thought I was just making up some storyline after game one when I said we didn't play well. We didn't play well. And tonight, you know, that the starting lineup to start the game is 10-2 Miami. Start the third quarter. They scored 11 points in two minutes and 10 seconds. And we just got, you know, we had guys out there that were just, whether feeling sorry for themselves for not making shots or thinking they can just turn it on or off. This is not the preseason. This is not the regular season. It's not round. This is the NBA Finals. And that, to me, is really, really perplexing, disappointing. And it is disappointing, Fitz, because, like he just mentioned, it's the NBA Finals. I don't need... Nikola Jokic to go over to a bench player to motivate them to get ready for the NBA Finals. Coaches aren't going to coach effort, right? That's one of the things that you can control as a player, your attitude and your effort. What you exert out there on the basketball court time and time again, because I can tell you one team who did have it last night, it was the Miami Heat. And it showed at a critical point in the ball game where a missed free throw happened for the Miami Heat, but Jeff Green decided that he was going to allow Kyle Lowry to outwork him and out-effort him, and the ball got tipped out of bounds, and it stayed with the Miami Heat. That's unacceptable. That's, that's, that's energy and effort. Can't allow it to happen, Jeff Green. Sorry. It's funny when you say that because I keep thinking about just that, that motto in your life, right? Like, and, and something I've learned in our time working together, uh, I make this analogy a lot, and it's funny, but – you know, I've, I've been standing on a, running on a treadmill in Orange Theory, and there are times that I want to give up, right? And I always think of you sitting there saying, hey, man, can't coach effort. Like, you can't coach effort. When you're watching last night and you're seeing guys get out-hustled repeatedly, that is the moment where you certainly say, I can't coach effort. And that's difficult because that's not the version of the Nuggets that we expected, right? Like, that's not the version of the Nuggets that we got in game one. And, and I, I'll hear Michael Malone say that they didn't play well, but they didn't get out-efforted in game one. 
to me, it's stunning. And that's the one thing that that I thought we could predict is that, you know, it's pretty easy to look at it and say, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, you know that Denver is going to bring consistent effort. The fact that they didn't is the most stunning thing about the outcome that we got. It's not that, like, look, this was a, a three-point game that was a wildly back and forth, could have gone any way throughout the course of it. But the fact that there were so many guys on on the Nuggets team, and there were, were certainly Christian Braun. I want to give Christian Braun a little shout-out here. Christian Braun was trying to bring effort, right? Like, there were yep, moments where was. guys were bringing effort, but as a total unit – it didn't feel like the Nuggets were awake for a lot of this game. They weren't awake with their effort, Harry. Well, I'll tell you, the, the part that really bothered me is that it showed so much on the defensive end from the mistakes. And when your effort isn't there, guess what's not? Guess what else isn't there, Fitz? Your communication on that defensive end. So now the Miami Heat get wide-open shots, shots that guys shoot in warm-ups. That means you're not on the same page defensively. Guys aren't talking. You're not alerted. You're not alert. You know, your, your antennas aren't up. And, you know, for the Denver Nuggets to be up 1-0 in, the, in this series coming into this game and never reaching an NBA Finals and, you know, have, they have an opportunity to do something that's never been done in their, in their team's history, it was concerning watching their effort last night, particularly on the defensive end. Well, because at the end of the day, what did they really accomplish? All they had done to that point is what they were supposed to do. You were supposed to win the games at home. You're up one nothing. Congratulations. That's where you should be. Now all of a sudden it's 1-1, and Miami gets the split in Denver. Denver takes their first home playoff loss of the playoffs, or a home loss of the playoffs, I should say. And through all of this, Harry, Miami gets the one thing you didn't want to give them. They get a pulse. They get belief. You've turned around and you've shown that team that, hey, this is two straight games. They've had a lot of wide-open looks. Second game, they hit those looks. Now, all of a sudden, if you're Miami, you're like, yep, told you so. Hold on. You mean the Denver Nuggets gave the Miami Heat CPR and now they're breathing? Yep. Uh, uh, uh. And that's what's interesting about it is now, all of a sudden, in a game that, again, it came right down to the wire, could have gone either way. All of a sudden, the Heat get something even, I would say, almost as important as a win. The Heat get belief. And through all of that conversation about belief, we should look specifically at Eric Spolstra. But also, we should look closely at Michael Malone, the head coach of the Nuggets. Not just for the effort, but also specifically, how much should we be criticizing his performance? We'll talk about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Miami gets the win in Denver. Denver takes their first home loss of the playoffs. And now we got to look squarely at Michael Malone, the head coach of the Nuggets, and ask some questions. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Harry, let me tell you a couple of things. There's great notes from our incredible work at Stats and Info, but a couple of things here that at first may not sound like they have a bunch in common, but... We'll start with this. When you started talking about going after Contavious Caldwell-Pope, that's one thing that was happening throughout the course of this team. KCP was being absolutely uh, attacked by Miami, including off of screens, where he was terrible. He was terrible to the point that it was the worst efficiency allowed by a defender all year against screens. And it happened over and over and over again. How about this? In the fourth quarter, in the fourth quarter that Miami took over, 
not only did they have incredible efficiency and a great shooting percentage, they also slowed the pace of play down to the slowest mark in a fourth quarter in all of the playoffs. What do those things have in common? Jimmy Butler suddenly turning around and, and guarding Jamal Murray. What do those things have in common? Those are all adjustments made by Eric Spolstra in the way that they're going to attack the Nuggets. And now it's fair to look over at Michael Malone, who's been saying, hey, give us our due, give us our credit. Where's our love? Well, if you want more shine, that means you got more microscope. And we're looking under that lens right now and saying, hey, man, what are you going to do? Because last time I checked, Miami's making a bunch of changes, and it sure feels like you're just standing around. Yeah, I agree. And that Jimmy Butler on Jamal Murray didn't pay huge dividends for the Denver Nuggets. It was in favor of the Miami Heat. Right, So much of the last shot of the game, that's the matchup that you ended up with. And that's not the ideal thing that you want. But Coach Malone uh, got outcoached by Eric Spolstra. And I understand, Fitz, that his team didn't give that much effort uh, or the effort wasn't to the level that you felt like it needed to be in the NBA Finals game in Game 2. But here's the problem that I also have with Coach Malone. When you go up to that press conference, you know what you need to say at first? You know what? I can coach better. I can put our guys in better positions to be successful. Now you get into your coach, your player's effort or whatnot. But you take the bullet first, and then you get to your players. Not any point yesterday that I hear Coach Malone say that he had to be better and he could do a better job putting guys in positions to be successful. Uh, the funny thing is when you talk about effort, you talk about pop. I think a lot about the beginning of a, a quarter, right? And if you look overall in this game, the Heat were plus 14 in the first four minutes of each quarter. If you look across the board, the Heat came out more explosively other than the second quarter. They came out more explosively substantially in every quarter. They came out with more energy substantially in every quarter. And I love what you're saying because Mike Malone is turning around, you know, on the one hand and saying, well, effort, effort, effort. My thing is at some point while the players take some responsibility in that Coaches do as well. Like it, it is it, at some point, it's part of the fabric of an organization to figure out how to get the most out of the guys that you have. And you're right, shouldn't have to coach effort at this point. But if you're not getting the effort that you need, you got to have a way to light somebody's ass right on fire and get it out of them. Michael Malone never did that. It is the player's fault for not coming out with the thunder of the gods. I will give you that. But at some point, I'm looking squarely at my coach and saying, if you feel they're flat, fix it. So the players need to fix it, but so does the coach. Well, and I will say this, and you look uh, across the sidelines and you see, or on the same sideline across the way, and you look at Eric Spolstra and what he was able to do in this game from starting Kevin Love and him, uh, you know, putting his imprint on the game, even though he had six points, but he had ten rebounds, right? And he wasn't going to get out-efforted on that basketball court. You look at the zone defense that the Miami Heat um, were running in that ball game, not allowing Jokic to catch that ball at the free throw line or the elbow, not making things easy for him in that capacity. Also, you talked about that pace. Understanding early in that game, the transition defense for the Miami Heat wasn't phenomenal now. So Spo seen that and said, you know what? Late in this game, we're going to slow it down. But putting Duncan Robinson in a, in a position to be successful, all these adjustments by Eric Spostra. I need to see what Coach Malone going to do. I, I think that's a fair point. Now, I also think it's okay for all the conversation today because there, there's nuance to this, right? He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. And a lot of the conversation is going to be about not calling a timeout on the final possession. I will say this. In the modern NBA, I have no problem with that because, frankly, 
it, what do I want to do? Am I going to call a timeout so that the better coach can get a better defensive set too? Like, I don't want to give Spolster the time to get his guys on the right page. Like, I don't want to give great minds, great players, and a plucky Heat team the opportunity to get set. So I've got to know, and I think this happens more and more in the modern NBA, like you don't want to take that chance for defenses to get set. So you try and run the pace, make sure you control it. They knew the play they were trying to run. I I actually had no problem with the Nuggets not calling a timeout. That's not part of my coaching criticism. I have a bigger problem with the rest of the game. Well, I would say this, though. On that last play, ideally you would want a timeout, but you got to remember, you got Jamal Murray and you got Nikola Jokic on your team. Two guys that, you know, have been phenomenal for your basketball team and your organization in those late game situations. I would just say try to push the pace a little bit more, right? Try to push the pace a little bit more, not allowing Miami to set up a defense. But then also, if you're going to go to a pick and roll, you got to make sure you go to the right pick and roll now. You can't go to a pick and roll with damn Jimmy Butler's going to come out on you now. You, you, you got to make sure you understand what is going on. I know under, I understand things are happening at the, uh, at the blink of an eye, but these are all the things that these players get paid for, right? You get paid to understand what's going on on the basketball court and what matchup that you probably want and what matchup that you probably don't want. In theory, not a terrible idea to have Jamal Murray taking what could be a game-tying shot as time expires. Like, But then you have to bring in the context. To your point, Jimmy Butler right there. To your point, Jamal Murray not particularly good in this game, right? So, you know, when you look at those angles of it, a little tough. This is what our own Tim Lugler, ESPN NBA analyst, had to say on SportsCenter last night, specifically about the last possession. He got a decent shot off, and they're going to say they're going to live with that because it's a makeable shot for Jamal Murray, and he already had a couple of threes in that late stretch. But down three, when you have to hunt a three, I just think you want it on your terms, what switches you might get, where you want to initiate the action. So they actually got the worst possible switch that they could have in that situation, which is Jimmy Butler, who was guarding the screener, to jump out. Now you've got a guy that's longer than whether that ended up being you know, Gabe Vincent or whoever could have possibly played him on that possession. You end up with a guy that's longer, that timed his contest pretty well, and forced Jamal Murray to take a lean back three that just ends up hitting the front of the rim and, and just misses that. Harry, I also think to that point, it speaks to what Jamal Murray, uh, what Jamal, what Jimmy Butler did well against Jamal, getting through that, recognizing it, and making that play happen. Jimmy Butler did the one thing for the Heat that nobody from the Nuggets could figure out how to do for most of the game, and that's get through the screen and get his body up there without fouling anybody. But that's why Fitz, I'd say it pushed the pace. Yeah. Right? Because if you push the pace and you're so good as a team in transition, there's no telling what Heat defenders may be out of place, and you may get a wide-open look. But once you if you push the pace and it's not there, then you try to operate. And I understand it's only – you know, 14 seconds, 13 seconds left in that ball game, but still, that's plenty enough time to push the pace. And if you don't have that open look, I'll take Jamal Murray shooting over Gabe Vincent, more so Jamal Murray shooting over Jimmy Butler or Nikola Jokic shooting it. I got the last shot. I don't want Jimmy Butler's name anywhere near it. Like, that's the guy I don't want to have. Like, uh, Jimmy and Bam, kudos to them for the way that they played. All right. How should we collectively look at what the Heat are doing right now? We're going to break it down with one of our favorite guests as we continue to get you caught up on the NBA Finals, now tied one game each. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Just a few days ago, the question was, are the Nuggets a dynasty in the making? 
And now the question is, will the Nuggets actually win this series? It's amazing how it all changes from one game. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, I promise you, we will get into my uh, my experience at the other final going on. I was in Vegas Saturday night for uh, game one of the Stanley Cup final. I may or may not have uh, had a moment in the arena that uh, is slightly regrettable. I'll get into my faux pas later. I may may or may not have screwed some up, but uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Plenty of stories coming from uh, what happened in Vegas, uh, especially that portion of it. But in the meantime, we're going to get some more expertise on what we saw last night, what it means moving forward from our buddy Frank Isola. You see him on Around the Horn. You hear him on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Frank, appreciate your time, man. We were just playing a little bit of what Michael Malone, the coach of the Nuggets, had to say about the lack of intensity from his team. When you hear that, how much of that goes to the players and how much of that goes to the coach when a team comes out somewhat flat for an NBA Finals matchup? I mean, ultimately, it is the coach's responsibility, but it's also the NBA Finals. And when I was watching Denver in that first quarter last night, they reminded me a lot of the Boston Celtics. I mean, you didn't really think that the Miami Heat, after losing a game one of an NBA Finals, wasn't going to come out with a lot of force and wasn't going to play really hard, really aggressive. You know, they're a disciplined team. They're moving the ball. I thought a key play in that first half was when Jamal Murray stole the ball and Max Struess chased him down. And even though I get it, he fouled him, but he did get the ball first. Then he hit the, I think he hit his head that his arm it was a three-point play. I get all that. But it was almost a way of saying, we are not going to stop competing today. And I thought that was a big difference in the game. I think Michael Malone nailed it. I think at the start of the game, certainly the start of the fourth quarter, the effort, the focus wasn't there, especially on the defensive end. Well, I also I want to talk about the defensive end really quick because when you don't have the effort, then the lack of communication happens. But, Frank, the Miami Heat got these open looks in game one. So what portion of this is on Mike Malone, Michael Malone to be able to make the adjustments so his players are in the right positions and they're communicating properly on the defensive end? Yeah, and, and there was that play in the fourth quarter where, you know, two defenders chased um, Duncan Robinson coming yep. off the screen, and then they left Gabe Vincent wide open. They're, they're definitely going over this stuff during film sessions. You cannot tell me that Michael Malone not doing it. I think a lot of times for a lot of these guys, well, you know, especially a guy like Michael Porter Jr., I think Jamal Murray falls in this category as well. If they're struggling on one end of the court, it does seem to impact them on the other side. You know, certainly wasn't a problem uh, for Bruce Brown, who played well. In fact, the three guys that came off the bench for the Nuggets were all a plus, in the, you know, the all-important plus-minus category. So I, I do think, I, and you, same thing with the Celtics. It certainly impacted the Celtics on the defensive end when they struggled. But you could also look at it this way. You know, Denver had won seven games in a row. It's hard to win one game in the playoffs, much less win seven in a row. I think at some point they were going to lay an egg. They certainly did last night. But all that being said, and, you know, the adjustments and Kevin Love being certain into the starting lineup, let's remember, Denver did enter the fourth quarter with an eight-point lead. And they had a great record this year with, an eight, with at least an eight-point lead going into the fourth quarter. So the game was right there for the taking. It all slipped away early in that fourth quarter. i got to give Duncan Robinson a lot of credit. Well, And it's funny you say that, Frank, because I actually texted our group last night and said, man, think about this. This has been a forgettable night for Denver, and they still could win this game. Like that's uh, we, we forget that's where we were with a few minutes left to go. So now what's your read on where the series goes from here? Well, if, if you think about what Denver's done in the postseason, they've never trailed in the playoffs, and the only time they were tied 
was 2-2 with Phoenix, and that obviously went to game five, but that was in Denver. So Denver really has not been challenged like this yet. So it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how a lot of these guys respond, especially with the game being on the road. The stakes are going to be a lot higher. The scrutiny is going to be a lot higher. I didn't like a lot of things that Denver was saying after the game. A lot of the players were looking at it from like a 30,000-foot view. Oh, everything that I've had to, you know, overcome and the surgeries and things like that. Guys, there's only one game. You know, then there's a story about Aaron Gordon buying uh, Jamal Murray a, a silver pendant I, I mean, or a diamond pendant. Like, whatever, you could do all that stuff. But it's just, it's just kind of strange. Their attitude, to me, wasn't right. And that's why I think – I thought Miami would beat Boston going to Game 7 because Boston was a strange team all throughout that series. And you knew that Miami was not going to be rattled. Their confidence wasn't going to be shaken. And the idea that, you know, despite losing the Game 1 – that they weren't going to come out and try to hit you in the mouth. I mean, that was a classic Miami Heat way of winning, and their role players were really the guys that came through. Jimmy Butler made some big plays in the fourth quarter. I thought Bam Adebayo was great, but Max Struess early, Dave Vincent the entire game, and certainly Duncan Robinson at the start of that fourth quarter. I mean, even the play, how about the play with Duncan Robinson? I think it was Duncan Robinson at the free throw line. Maybe it was Gabe Vincent. He misses the free throw. Kyle Lowry gets the rebound. But then it ends up in the hands of Duncan Robinson to knock down a three. So Denver was was failing to do all the little things you need to do in order to win. Now, Eric Spolstra dismissed the question, but it seemed like the Heat didn't let Nikola Jokic be a distributor last night and actually gave him better looks at the basket as a trade-off. Is that the same, some of the same things that you saw as well, Frank? In, in a way, yes. But again, you know, he had the big third quarter, and that gave him the eight-point lead. I think it was more about you know Jokic – I think, you know, he's always looking to pass first. But you look when Denver's at its best is when guys are cutting to the basket. And there was that one sequence in the first half where, you know, it ended up that touch pass that he had to Aaron Gordon who was cutting along the baseline and had the reverse layup. You know, it's also up to the players on Denver. I think Michael Porter a lot of times has a tendency to stand on the three-point line. I thought Contavious Cole Pope, except for the defensive end, where he made you know, a couple of bonehead fouls, fouling three-point shooters. But I... I I don't have a problem with Jokic doing that because, again, you know, they were up eight going into the fourth quarter with him, you know, becoming a scorer. It was, I still think it came down to the way that they defended in this game. You just mentioned KCP. He did have a couple of moments that were forgettable defensively. How do you put that sort of behind you in a series like this? I'm sorry. Repeat that again. I'm sorry. You mentioned uh, KCP and some of the forgettable yeah. moments he had defensively. How do you put that behind you in a series like this? Well, I, I do think, you know, he is the one guy that does have finals experience when he, when he was on the Lakers. And is he, you know, they are aggressive mistakes that he's making. I think he has to be a little bit smarter than that, especially, you know, if you're going to jump when a guy like Kyle Lowry is shooting, because Kyle Lowry is always looking to draw a little bit of contact and then fall on the floor. I, I, think that, I, I think that he'll be fine. I even think, if you remember, there were a couple of times defensively where he was giving too much help on a guy driving and then he was leaving his man wide open and they knock down threes. To me, those are all adjustments that they'll make. And you could tell early on, Michael Malone, there were a few times when, the, when uh, Miami scored, you would just see Michael Malone throw his head back. He was so frustrated with what was happening. And that's why I wasn't surprised. You know, I knew Michael Malone when he was his first year as an assistant with the Knicks, and he was always like that. He's brutally honest. And the, the one thing to the Denver Nuggets' credit, their players seem to respond to getting called out, and I think a lot of that probably has to do with Jokic and Murray, who you know kind of can take the criticism. But still, they've really never been in it. Well, they have never been in a situation like this where you're tied one-one going into a game three on the road 
We know that Miami can respond to that. We'll see how well Denver responds. Frank, as always, my friend, we appreciate your time and your expertise. Thanks for hanging out with us. Take care, guys. Watch him on Around the Horn. Listen to him on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Frank Isola. Great stuff from him that really opens your eyes. As you check engine light on, don't ignore it. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and let their professional parts people scan and diagnose the problem for free. They'll even help you find a repair shop if you need it. You just visit O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Frank just said one thing that may have me rethinking this entire series. We'll dive into it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. There are simple facts we've now learned two games into the NBA Finals. One is that you simply won't break the will of the Miami Heat. Two, you can't out-underdog the actual underdogs when you're talking about the way this entire situation is going down. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel Lady Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Hear me out. What we hear from Michael Malone has so often been like, hey, we're not getting any credit. We're not getting the love. We need this. We need that. Like, it's a very it's a very nobody believes in us moment that's come through it. Well, there's a hold my beer uh, response to that for the Heat who have listened to us for days on all these shows talk about the possibility of a dynasty for the Nuggets, right? Like, what what it looks like. There's an actual difference between nobody's talking about us and nobody's giving us a chance. And right now, Harry, I think for a lot of days, a ton of people have been ready to write off the heat. The heat come into this game trailing by eight going into the fourth quarter, and all they do is remind us that they're resilient. And what's stuck in my brain is what we just talked to Frank Isolo about is the fact that you got one team in the heat that are turning around. They're like, nah, man, nobody believes in us. We don't give a damn. We'll be consistent. On the other side, you have the Nuggets who lose, and when they lose, three of their starters aren't available for media availability. When they lose, their coach is yelling about it. In fact, this is what Frank said about the way the Nuggets are handling the losses. I didn't like a lot of things that Denver was saying after the game. A lot of the players were looking at it from like a 30,000-foot view. Oh, everything that I've had to, you know, overcome and the surgeries and things like that. Guys, there's only one game. You know, you, then there's a story about Aaron Gordon buying uh, Jamal Murray a, a silver pendant I, I mean, or a diamond pendant. Like, whatever. You could do all that stuff. But it's just, it's just kind of strange. Their attitude, to me, wasn't right. And that's why I think – I thought Miami would beat Boston going to game seven because Boston was a strange team all throughout that series. And you knew that Miami was not going to be rattled. Their confidence wasn't going to be shaken. Failing to do all the little things you need to do in order to win. I think Frank brings up a great point. And Fitz, I don't know why it's like this in life, though. You can do a million things correctly and do one or two things wrong. And all of a sudden, we had like the damn ship and wreck and it's sinking to the bottom of the ocean. I've never really understood that. But you see the, I would say, the mindset of both teams because Denver is a phenomenal team. They won seven games in a row and they lost one. And you're hearing about things on the outside in which Miami, they lost game one. And all you heard about is, you know, we got open looks. Guys are going to continue to shoot those open looks. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But the, the mindset never changed. Nor did they deflect on putting it off on anything else outside of what basketball is. But I also say this, those different Nugget, Nuggets players that wasn't, weren't available for, for the media – this is the NBA Finals. I don't give a damn if you lose 102 to 50. What you need to be is available to the media. 
I don't care how hard or how bad your head coach got on you. I don't care if, if, if you're in your feelings. That's not a good look. And it tells me that something, I don't know, might be a little screw loose somewhere in that Denver Nuggets organization. Might be. I mean, we heard Bam Adebayo last week talking about how one of the great things about Spo is that there's never failure. It's always a learning opportunity. And that works. Like, Michael Malone obviously has a much different tone than Eric Spolstra as a coach. And different tones work with different individuals. You and I have talked Correct. a lot about this. Like, for me as a kid growing up in the music world at a high level – I didn't like teachers that would come in and say, oh, that was that was great. I'm like, no, it wasn't. That means you weren't listening. Like, I liked the teachers that would throw things at me and yell at me in Russian and tell me, you know, that I was a piece of trash for not playing well. I respond to that still to this day. Like, we do coaching sessions, and when people come in and they're like, you got to be better at this, this, this. Our coaches tell us all the time, this show is hard on ourselves because we listen and we're like, man, got to do this better. Got Like, it's, yep. it's real. That's what I respond to. But that that doesn't mean that's for everybody. You as a player certainly know, like, different coaches have different tones and it works for different locker rooms. Yeah, and I, and I was I was the type of person that I love hard-nosed people that just, man, say what you got to say. You know what I mean? I just, I know what to tune out and I know what to receive from a message standpoint, right? But not everyone that I played with in the receiver room was like that. Two people I knew our receiver coach could always, like, talk crazy to and it wouldn't bother us, me and Roddy White. And what didn't mean that he could talk to other players like that, but he also understood that, okay, I got to approach this like this. Or, you know what, I'm going to say this to Harry today so the other person can actually hear it, and he's watching it and know damn well Harry doesn't have anything to do with his play going on <laughs> so he can get the message that I'm trying to send. So there's ways to doing it, but the harder you you are on your players, you also have to love them, though. You have to praise them when they do great things. So it has to be a, a balance, I, I, I feel. I feel like what we're seeing right now are the Nuggets being challenged, and it raises real questions about how they handle those challenges because, again, you got three starters that weren't available for media last night. It's Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. I will tell you quickly to that that point. I you know When I was out with the band Perry and I was the, the band leader, uh, the, the drummer, Boone, one of my closest friends for the longest time. Boone is one of the sweetest souls I've ever met. He had a bad show, and I went and I just mother effed him. You know, you know me. Like, uh, what? Luckily, when I'm in front of a mic, I control myself. But I was, I was every f bomb known to man. And what are you doing? And you got to be better. And like Boone didn't talk to me for like three days, and we've been friends forever. Finally, walked up to him. I'm like, dude, what's going on? And he's like, man, that just really hurt my feelings the way you talked to me. And I learned in that moment, I had to pull back. Like some guys on a, on the road, uh, our buddy, my, my our guitar player, Matt, that's how I could communicate to Matt. If I said that to Matt, no worries. He'd have a great show the next day. I learned that I had to go up to Boone after a show. And if it was a bad show, I'd always go up to him and be like, man, I love you. And you are going to have the best show ever tomorrow. I know that. And I believe in you. You have to figure that stuff out. Michael Malone has obviously got the right pulse of the Nuggets. They've won a lot of games, but right now in this moment, we know Spoh's won championships. Like, there's just – the little things matter so immensely in this series, Harry. They do. And, and for the Denver Nuggets, I don't want them to just, you know, lo lose this game too that they lost and feel like the world's coming to an end. Like, I, you don't want their confidence to be lost, in which I, I would hope it wouldn't because you, they've done some phenomenal things this entire playoff series. But I think the urgency – Mike Malone wants their urgency to be up a little bit more because you don't have room for error in the NBA Finals. That's the hardest part about all. When we talk about championship pedigree, that's what we're talking about, knowing that the little things are the difference between getting the Larry O'Brien trophy at the end or not getting the Larry O'Brien trophy. Speaking of the little things, 
for everything we saw last night, there was one little thing that happened repeatedly to the Nuggets that I don't think will happen again, and it's the difference in this series. We'll talk about it next on Fitz and Harry. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. <laughs> 